Namaste, everybody. This is Jay with Namaste Real. Tara's asking if we edit stuff out. So um, it depends. If it's noise or like something weird like that, yes. If it's bad word, no. So you can say bad words on this. So we only edit out something that is um, like, you know, something where it's like sometimes there's noise, like weird noise in the background or whatever. So that's kind of how, that's usually how we judge it. Because um, like one time there was some like underlying noise and my husband had, had to get that out. It was actually, I think, a problem with our microphone. Okay. So welcome everybody. I'm here with Tara, the lovely Tara Scarborough, as everybody knows. She teaches the fascial yin here at the studio. If you've never taken her class, you're missing out for sure. And um, we're going to get into all different kinds of stuff today, um, some yoga, some non-yoga. So my first question for you, Tara, is what's your first yoga class memory? <laughs> and I always, listen, why, the reason I love this is I'm always so fascinated by the answers. It's never what I expect. Yes, yes. And um, I, I know because I, I said I've listened to these, I kind of suspected that would be a question. Mm -hmm. And um, You're correct. I, 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 I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, and see, that's what fascinates me because, like, so, like, Kendra. Kendra was like, oh, yeah, I took it. Do you, would you go back? No, not for, like, five years. Yeah. And, you know, mine is so vivid. So my point, the reason I like to ask this is there's no, like, right or wrong way to get hooked in. Yes. You know, some people really remember that first class because I vividly remember, you know, bits and pieces of it. I can't tell you remember the whole thing. But the big part I remember is leaving and feeling, like, five feet taller yes. and thinking, I need this in my life. So, like, there's things I remember. I remember I wouldn't take off my socks. I don't know why, and I had this attitude of I'm not chanting or doing anything weird, and by the end, I would have done anything she asked me to do, which yeah. is just hilarious. I was so, like, yoga stoned. So I just think it's interesting. So you really don't remember. You don't remember. Do you remember kind of anything around it, like when it was? And So my first yoga experiences with a teacher um, was that somebody came to my house, and I had privates. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I had done that for a few months before I actually had the experience of a yoga class, which obviously we know is entirely different than yes. energy in a yoga class versus... Very just, different. Yeah. So um, I'm pretty sure I took it from Vicki that was coming to my, my house, mm -hmm. but um, I, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> and in my, in my defense at that period of my life, I was just overwhelmed with with so much, um, you know. So uh, there's probably a lot that maybe I've blocked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a private is really different from a class, you know, um, in in so many different ways. Um, and that's interesting that your first experience was a private. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Yeah. So um, it was after I had had my first child and. Um, so I knew I needed something, mm -hmm. some sort of modality, and yep. you know I thought about Tai Chi, I thought about yoga, mm -hmm. and um, there was a, someone that went to the, the climbing gym that I frequented, and there's this big banner that was Vicki Russell Bell Yoga, you mm -hmm. know, so it was kind of like, oh, you know. And then one day I just happened to be bouldering, and I started um, talking to this couple, and then I realized that was her. So... Um, at that time, I didn't feel like I, 
you know, with a small baby, that I really had the freedom that I could get out more than one day a mm-hmm. week. And so that's when I approached her about what would it cost to come to my house. Mm-hmm. And it was actually quite reasonable. So, yeah. Um, that's yeah, when I think back to what I, I charged for my first privates, I just have to laugh. <laughs> you know, you just give yourself away yeah. in some ways in the beginning. That's really cool. Um, so what's your first um, music memory? Like song that you liked, concert, um, you know, oh, yeah. maybe boy band poster you had, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I used to love listening, actually it was uh, AM radio at that time, mm-hmm. listening to the AM radio to go to sleep. Um, and I think like my first uh, memory of the song that I loved the best was Dancing in the Moonlight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still love that song. Um, and then aside from that, like my first real like um, concert like experience was I went to see Bruce Springsteen mm-hmm. when I was in high school, which that was kind of a big deal too. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yep, absolutely. It's funny how I was talking to Kendra about that a little bit, like, you know, like concerts were such a thing when I was young, like I went to so many, yeah. I was so fortunate to see so many bands live, and that was such a rite of passage, you know. Um, I have always loved music. I don't have a musical bone in my body in terms of being able to play, but I love it so much. I'm married a musician, so, you know, that says a lot. Um, And so I I hope that that doesn't go away, you know, Mm -hmm. with COVID and the situation that we're in. I hope we don't lose. And also just music's produced so differently now. You know, Mm -hmm. some person can get a, a one little, like, sound mixing board, and they can do everything on the mixing board. So it's almost like it seems like it's more DJs or more produced. Yeah. I don't seem to see is I mean, I see some music, you know. I mean, I'm not saying there's not live music anymore, but it seems like it's changing a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see if that, you know, if, you know, because my kids haven't been to nearly as many concerts as I went to. Yeah. I mean, it's not even close. It definitely was a bigger thing. It was a, a deal, like when we were kids, that's what you did. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. Maybe maybe it is that like everything is accessible on phones and mm-hmm. things like that now. Yeah. Whereas before, you had to call the DJ up and say, hey, yeah. would you play this song? So yeah. going to see them was a much bigger deal because it wasn't as It accessible. was just such an experience, though, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just have so many memories of like my first con- it's, It was just an experience. Mm-hmm. It's so different live versus like listening on the radio, you know, different energy, different everything. So I don't know, it'd be interesting to see what happens with that. So what's your favorite comfort food from your childhood? Um, favorite comfort food. I can think of lots of foods my mom made I did not like. (laughs) (laughs) So your discomfort food is obviously easier. She had this like rotating menu Uh and, um, and there were things on that I just despised. Like, to this day, like the thought of eating liver and onions would, I just makes like. I don't I know why we would eat them. an organ that is f- responsible for filtering the body <laughs> anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm not a big organ person. I don't know. Organs have always kind of freaked me out. Yeah. I have a distinct memory of this one time. My mom, like, she told me I was going to have to sit there at, at the table until I ate that. And 
it was like I think three hours later, eight o'clock probably, and when she finally gave up and told me I could yeah. go to bed. Yeah. Because it literally turned my stomach. It made me want to throw up. Yeah. I was not eating it. Yeah, and I was like that too. Like I would go to the mat if there, because to me, like I don't know, I was kind of like you. I was a very well. I don't know if you were a picky eater, but I was a picky eater, mm-hmm. and so I would I would have sat there for three days <laughs> and not eat. You know what I mean? That's just kind of how I was like. If I don't want to eat it, I am not eating it. So I would just go to the mat. Not yeah. to eat anything. My favorite comfort food as a kid was a grilled cheese yeah. and chicken noodle soup. Yeah, oh, okay. Canned chicken noodle soup, which is awful. But I'm telling you, oh, that yeah. was my sick meal. That, you know, I don't know what it was. I associated that with, like, being taken care of. And yeah. I got to be in my room. My mom would bring this little TV in. I'd get a grilled cheese and chicken noodle soup. And that was, like, that's still my comfort food. We would have it with tomato soup. Grilled cheese yeah. and tomato soup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always liked that. Yeah, I don't know what it is. There's something about just, I don't know. They're just a grilled cheese to me is still like mad. And you know what's funny? I haven't had one in forever. I know. I'm obviously missing out. I and mean, <laughs> just talking about it is making me want one. Um, what's your first, um, like, class teaching memory? Like, do you remember teaching your first class and what that was like? Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> So I remember um, going and obviously you get there early and thinking about, because the studio in Cincinnati that I taught at, like Paula's studio, was huge, you know, so you could set up with your mat this way or that way and and different teachers would set up the room Mm -hmm. differently. So I remember putting thought into, well, where do I want to set the room up with? Mm -hmm. And I just remember having this distinct feeling of looking out at, and I think there were like 10 people in it or something, which is a fairly large class for your first class to teach. Mm -hmm. I remember um, like looking out and just being like, wow, um, okay, like in nervousness and just, Mm -hmm. you know, hoping I remembered my sequence because when you first start teaching, you like, you put a lot of time and thought into exactly what your sequence is going to be and you can't deviate from it because you have no experience to deviate from it. So I just remember being nervous about that and then I remember thinking, they're doing exactly what I'm telling them to. I'm telling them to do this and they do it. And then I also remember having this experience of thinking how incredibly cool that was that I was teaching yoga and how I felt that a piece of every, because I had been practicing yoga for 25 mm-hmm. years before yeah. I actually taught. So I felt that a piece of every teacher mm-hmm. I had that was yep. instrumental Channeling me, through you. Yes, yep. came through mm-hmm. me. And yeah. I just remember having a moment of, this is so incredibly cool. Yeah, I had the same thought. Like, I, was, I had the same feeling of all the teachers that had come before me. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel like you're, you're like this interesting little combination of all that you've learned from all these different teachers, yeah. and then you have your own little sprinkled snacks and flavors of yourself in there. I felt the same way. Yeah. Um, my funny story is, um, and I, you probably heard this if you listen to the podcast, I thought I had an hour and a half sequence, <laughs> and I yeah. blew through it in right. 45 minutes. And I don't know why I thought it would be good to do an hour and a half class, my first class. I really don't know what I was thinking. That's a long class. It, was, it, it felt like um, 10 hours. And then I blew through, and I, I had him in Warrior for like 10 minutes because I was just I kind of froze. And, and, and they survived it, but um, I had this moment of like, you know, you're just so humbled by 
you, you, like you recognize how you re I think part of teacher training I appreciated all all the other teachers in a way I hadn't before you know what I mean because then you realize how difficult it is to teach yes. and to come up with a sequence and all that stuff and I also <laughs> realized that I was just gonna have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable because you can't you know what I mean like I had no idea that my sequence wouldn't last the hour and a half and so and there's no way around the awkward and the learning new experiences I mean you just have to do it yes. and accept that you're not always going to be perfect you're going to make mistakes and there's just there's no substitute for experience you just have to be willing to put yourself out there and do it and just be willing to you know learn and not be great at it at first and I think you're so caught up in being so perfect oh, and wanting totally. to be so good and to deliver to the students this incredible experience yes and the fact is you don't have to try so hard they're no. going to have a wonderful experience and sometimes authentic correct you know? and yes. I also think that we we do put crazy pressure on ourselves the perfection syndrome imposter syndrome for sure Leanne and I laugh because we, I've had so many experiences, and she has too, where we taught a class, and afterward I was like, almost felt like saying, you know what, you just give me your mic back. <laughs> and then awful. they're like, oh my God, that was the best class I ever. Was say, and you're like, excuse me? <laughs> I know, like their experience was so different from my experience, right. and I realized, like, I was in my head, and I was judging, and I, I, you know, for whatever reason, they loved, you know, so it's kind of, I try to, like, keep that in mind when I'm tempted to overjudge and over criticize certain things about a class maybe it didn't go how I envisioned it going but that doesn't mean that they didn't get something out of it and that it wasn't meaningful to them yeah you know it's really hard and then that's just getting out of your head mm -hmm. which you know is hard sometimes <laughs> I remember that really vividly um, so what was your worst fashion phase um, uh, probably the, uh, attempting Farrah Fawcett hair with <laughs> okay, my straight hair. Okay, I cannot imagine that at all. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. It, it took a lot of effort to try to get that little curly thing. I have pictures from junior high-ish, I Okay, say. I might need that to put on the, like, because we put out a picture for the podcast. I may need that photo. I'll see if I, I'll see if I can find something. <laughs> oh, God. It's so, like, I always wanted to have Julie from the Mod Squad hair. Straight blonde hair, and obviously, uh, I didn't get that. So, it's like the grass is yeah. always greener, you know yeah. what I mean? Whatever. And so, I remember in high school, I would always just straighten my hair, and oh. my best friend had stick straight blonde hair, the hair I wanted. And she always got perms, and half her hair fell out. <laughs> and it's one of those things where you're like, why can I not just, you know, it just takes so much time to really like be happy with what you have. Yeah. You know, it's like we always want whatever we don't have. I would pay good money to see that photo. I, I will definitely try to find the photo that I'm thinking of because what makes it even funnier is that I'm in that awkward phase and I've got acne all over my face <laughs> and, and these Vera Fawcett curls. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, good times. You know, I, there's something about those like um, awkward phases in your life, like thinking back on those that you really just do have to laugh at yourself because I mean, I don't know anybody that didn't go through them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just so awkward. It is. It's just so awkward, but there's just something kind of endearing, I think, of the awkwardness. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think for some people it's probably worse than others, but I for sure went through some awkward phases. I mean, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I have to dig up some of my old pictures, too. What's your favorite style of yoga and why? Um, and you don't have to have just one. Yeah, 
I actually really loved like Anusara, mm-hmm. um, and fortunate uh, about the founder. <laughs> yes, because yep. I, I feel like it it tainted the practice. I think a lot of people struggle with that. With there's a lot of styles of yoga where the founder has you know right. got, done not, some things that you're not okay with, not and then it's like, do you throw out the baby in the bathwater? And I actually mm-hmm. have seen a lot of articles written about, like Kino McGregor, you know, writes writes about you know um, Patabi Joyce, yeah, and um, you know I think that is a, a difficult thing to deal with. I think everybody's going to have their own moral compass and their own answer. Maybe you can take aspects of that practice. It doesn't mean you agree with the founder, but it just means maybe there's things about that practice you resonate with. And then yeah. there are other people who are like, nope, you know, I just, there's, so I don't know. I, I know where you're coming from, though, you know, yeah. on that one. Yeah, but I I loved the heart-centeredness. I loved the combination of alignment and flow. Um, I just thought it was a beautiful practice. Yeah, they did a good job of taking a lot of the... Um, of softening, I think, some of the rigid alignment principles mm-hmm. of Iyengar, and they mm-hmm. added more of a um, subtle energetic and a lot of, you know, you know what I'm saying? They added extra mm-hmm. flavors to it yes. where it felt less rigid. Mm-hmm. So I know, because I really liked Anusara, the classes that I've taken too, and I resonated. I also liked how they explained things, the spirals in yes. the body, the muscular spirals. Yes. I actually bought their teaching manual because I was so fascinated with, the way they taught um, right. and get muscular engagement, I found mm-hmm. I really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. So I actually bought their old teaching manual and really kind of read it and studied it because I I really liked the way that they explained um, certain things around yes. muscular engagement. Yes, yes, it, like um, like just explaining like the hip tilts with mm-hmm. the spirals, like in the inner spiral and mm-hmm. the outer spiral. Right. I thought, yeah, it was. Um, easy to visualize mm-hmm. in your head um, because I, I mean I still have this happen where you'll you'll be giving cues and instructions in fact I had it happen Sunday at Water Rock um, when people are looking at you like I have no idea what you're talking yeah. about yeah yeah oh yeah I remember someone that we used to laugh back when I was at the there was a cue that we would laugh about about inflate your kidneys <laughs> what the hell do you know what I'm saying? It's like we get, like, it's so fancy and esoteric, and yet people have no, like, inflate your kidneys. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. So some of the cues out there are just ridiculous. And, and I have been on the other side of that, where I've been like, I don't know what you're talking about. I what have, do you want me to do? <laughs> I, I, I don't get that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And you have to laugh about that, you know, as a teacher and as a student, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like you're doing, but some things resonate with some people and not others. Yeah. So yeah. on your SAR is probably one of your favorite styles, you would yes. say? Yes, mm-hmm. I, I always loved that. My original um, instruction and teachers were all Iyengar trained. Um, so, you know, I had a lot of experience with that, but I love, I love the flow, you know. So it's finding that balance between taking time for alignment and flow. Yeah, and I think that's why the flow and align classes, you know, that's what Joe mm-hmm. Taft teaches, and he's an Anusara yeah. trained teacher. Yeah. And, and a lot of people resonate with that. You know what I'm saying? If you want alignment and you want a lot of that um, cueing in your practice, then it is a conundrum to keep a flow and yet still, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that is a dance mm-hmm. that a lot of teachers kind of, you know, it depends on where you fall on the spectrum, but I do think that that's a, a difficult dance to maintain, keeping the fluidity 
of a flow, yet at the same time allowing some space yeah. for a focus on alignment and some introspection in a pose for a little bit longer. And Joe Tapp also studied um, a fair amount, I think, with Doug Keller. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Doug Keller is phenomenal. Yeah, like, he's, you know I love him. Um, I've yeah. never been to one of his workshops. I want to go in person. I don't want a virtual. And right now he's kind of only doing virtual. I'm, I'm hoping that that is just not going to be his thing now. Like, I, I hope not too, but you know, it'll be interesting to see because I bought both his books mm-hmm. and his books really helped me. You know, I had a pinched nerve in my mm-hmm. neck and, um, and, a, and a, I was a mother tucker. I had a stuck sacrum under. Anyway, now his books really helped me. Um, fix that and I really want I want but I want in person I don't want to do a virtual yes. I um, I studied with him in person over in Asheville yeah I remember when I you mean, went it was packed I mean like like mm-hmm. mat on mat on mat on yeah. mat I've been and in so those I, yeah. I feel I worry that like I don't know when that's gonna come back and I don't know when teachers like him you know will feel comfortable doing it yes and, yeah, I get and it. also it's easy to just do things virtual, right? You don't yeah. have to travel and um but it's 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 not the same experience. Kind of like doing a private yoga, you know, session versus a class. Well, it's not the same for me. You know, like I guess some people don't, you know what I mean? For me personally energetically, I prefer in person. Mm-hmm. Taking classes all of it. Like I'm glad we have virtual. I think it's great that we have that option, but for me I prefer live. I just show up differently. I'm present. I'm there. I like that engagement of being able to see the teacher. And the opportunity to ask questions. Mm -hmm. You hear other people ask questions Mm -hmm. and get clarifications right there on the spot, you know, without it being through a screen. It's just not the same. Yeah, I would agree. So someday I'm hoping I'll be able to go see him. I don't know. I mean, who knows? Well, fingers crossed. But he's on my bucket list Mm -hmm. of yoga teachers that I would really like to see. So what's your least favorite style of yoga? Um, if you have one. I don't really have a least favorite. I, I see benefits in all. Mm-hmm. I, I would have said before my teacher training, Ashtanga, mm-hmm. um, and, but Paula was Ashtanga trained. Yeah. So um, from that, I got a different perspective on it. I, I never liked Ashtanga because I felt like it was too fast moving. There was no time for alignment, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I didn't feel that it was, like, quote, safe for that reason. Yep. Because you would see people doing weird stuff in class. Yeah. And then Paula brought this perspective of it just being about the breath and just getting, you know, like, lost in the breath and the movement. And... I came to see it a little bit differently then, um, Mm -hmm. and that that breath is actually what moves things through the energy channels more so than getting a perfect alignment to open things up and move it. Right. So I don't really... And that's just a great point to make that it it does depend on the teacher. You know, mm-hmm. you could resonating with the teacher and their style of teaching. I said, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, like if you take a specific style of yoga from someone and you don't necessarily love yeah. that class, you know, it's still worth taking from someone else. Because mm-hmm. um, I have just hilarious memories. The first time I took a restorative yoga class, it was at AYC. <laughs> I was in my 200-hour teacher training, and it was me and only two other people in the class. And one of them, I think, was in the teacher training with me. I think he brought his girlfriend. So we're in there, and I remember I just, like, 
was like, oh my God, we're not, this is not yoga. We're like rolling around on pillows. What the hell are we doing? What is this? What if I, you know what I mean? I had this whole monkey mind dialogue. And it was half an hour in when I felt my whole nervous system just go, dunk. And I remember, I was like, oh, okay. I get it now. Do you know what I mean? It was a very interesting experience. And, um, and I was like, okay, I get this now. Because I was such a vinyasa flow person right, that that right. was so yeah and I recognized um that that I, that was probably something I needed because I was so resist that half an hour of resistance yes. made me think yes. okay why what was that there like what was my problem there <laughs> um I guess if I had uh like your experience there just triggered something in my mind where um, I was going to a yoga class and uh, when I got there I was so disappointed that it was a sub and then I was even more disappointed that the sub was the person that I called the P90X yoga yeah, teacher yep, yep, yep. and you know I'm like oh god you know and and I, I almost walked out but mm -hmm. there were like only three people in the class so yep. I was like okay. props to you for not doing that because <laughs> like, I've had that happen to me yes I was like okay Nope, I'm gonna I'm gonna find the yoga in this. Yeah. You know, yep. It's yep. gonna be fine. I'm gonna find the yoga, and and I tried and I tried and then I kid you not, like during Shavasana, she was playing Thirty Eight Special. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Hold on, loosely. And, and I'm just laying there like, ah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But but you know, I tried to keep an open mind about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I try to too, you know, because I, I can learn something from every class I take. Do you know what I'm saying? And I try to. Um, uh, and, and even like um, if it's not my jam, I do, I, I mean, I, I try really hard to learn something. And one, and I will say that like I try to look at it as medicine versus dessert. Like my dessert is my, is flow. Mm -hmm. um, but my medicine is probably not even, I would say yin is my medicine. I do struggle with yin. Specifically, I would say hip openers in yin are really yeah. hard for me, and I do do them. And my really for me, a flowing yin is like my dream class, because for me to be still, I do need to work some stuff yes. out. And so flowing yin to me is kind of like the magical or flowing mm -hmm. ground, whatever you want to call it, where there is some movement, but there is some stillness. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I kind of, when I was really young, when I first started my yoga journey, I was all about the yes and kill it. And, yes. you know, I didn't feel like I had to be just murdered. I had to be in a puddle of sweat on my mat at the end. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I have really come to, I'm, I'm much more balanced in my practice than I used to be. Mm -hmm. And um, so the yin, I try to find that balance of medicine and dessert where I know that, because I find it interesting that what we're not attracted to is usually what we need, right. but we just Absolutely. have resistance to it. You know, mm -hmm. like I know people who only do yin and restorative, they want no part of movement. And then I know people who only do the vinyasas and they're like, oh no, I don't want right. any yin or restorative. And it's like, okay, I get all that. But you know, just be aware that, you know, we tend to be attracted to what we're good at and what we feel successful at. And right. usually the other piece of that is putting yourself in a situation where maybe it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like yin's uncomfortable for me. You know, I mean it is. And I recognize that I need to sit with that discomfort and I need yeah. to sort of breathe through it. Mm -hmm. But it still is challenging for me. Mm -hmm. I agree with you though. I really I like 
I, I like to have some flow before I settle into mm -hmm. the quiet. I, I think that's, I, I just feel like it's more relaxing. I, I think you're more, for some reason, you've already worked some stuff out, <laughs> you know, yeah. and so it's easier to settle and calm. Mm -hmm. um, I like flowing in too. We, we never really called it that in Cincinnati. I find it interesting like the like the little regional nuances to yes yoga. yes um i mean we that we did that we did that all the time mm -hmm. um but we didn't have a name for it it was just like a yoga class <laughs> yeah i know exactly what you're talking about because leanne and i and really kendra laugh about how Asheville Yoga Center was like the mothership for us and there was mm -hmm. such a specific style of vinyasa flow that we were taught and that was you know that was our thing and so that has become like it's like such a it took me a while to start to really open up to be open to different styles and different types of classes because mm -hmm. that was such my early you know f I kind of fell in love with that and so I was so attracted to that and and, and even now, Leanna, it's like a fix. It feels like sometimes it's like I just need that fix. And it's mm -hmm. such a specific, like to me, it is such a regional thing. Yeah. You know, because I've taken classes in other areas. I've been like, just like, what is it? This is, you're not doing it right. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, like, right, what does that even mean? So I've tried to have enough, like, self-awareness to be like, where is that coming from? But it's because, it's like when your mom makes something and right. someone else makes yes, it, and you're yes, like, you didn't make it right. You right. Didn't, you're wrong. This is wrong. You didn't make it right. Isn't that funny how we have those little constructs in our head about how it's supposed to be? Absolutely. Well, it's not funny, but it's absolutely true, and we all do it. The The example of the food is perfect. Yeah, so, like, in my mind, there's a certain type of vinyasa flow, and it is what, you know, I know from AYC, and, you know, I have, I'm less, um, I don't know, less rigid about that now. Like, I like it all now, but there was definitely a period of time where I was, like, I don't know. I was a little snooty about it, I think. I was a, I was a snob. Not proud of it, but I was. Um, so I want to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, and I want your take on it. So just for some background, Tara did a myofascial release, a um, couple of sessions with me, and they were kind of magic for me. And I didn't expect it. You know, I kind of went, again, I, I, this is a recurring theme. I think I'm resistant to everything when I first <laughs> go into it. It wasn't that I was resistant, but I just didn't really know what to expect, and mm -hmm. I sort of had this idea like, it's not massage, so I don't know. I just I went into it like hopeful, but a little like slightly skeptical, if I can be honest. Yeah. And um, it shocked me <laughs> how profoundly it um, released stuff in my body. You know, like I don't know if you remember, the biggest thing for me was the pelvic floor release you did with my tailbone, with my sacrum, mm -hmm. um, because I knew that I had issues with my sacrum tucking under, and I tried to release it on my own. I couldn't really do it. I tried everything, and I'd been to physical therapy, and she, we were working on getting my psoas to relax, um, which I knew that I had some issues with a rib flare and my psoas, mm -hmm. and I don't know. I just had a bunch of things like kind of going wrong, and it was which came first, the chicken or the egg? What do I address? And I remember being in your, you did a session with me and my sacrum, my whole sacrum just, I remember like feeling it, it to describe it, it felt like, um, 
like goosebumps or like it, it like the really it was I was just like oh my god that's wild <laughs> like it was because I've never felt anything like that in a massage and so mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. as for as uninvasive and un like massage and it's actually changed how I do massage now I used to think it was better if people dig in and I was like yeah I think I need and now I don't do that anymore because mm -hmm. I realized actually in some ways I was bracing against that I don't right. think I realized that I was until yeah. I did the myofascial release because you hold it so long it's like the body has time to relax mm -hmm. and so I've told I've told everyone I can think of that if you have something stuck that that to me that was more profound than massage I'm not saying massage isn't awesome but so you know after that I was fascinated how can I recreate this I think I asked you and you sent me some of Doug Keller's stuff and it took me a while I will say it took me a while but I was able to keep it unstuck and I was able to figure it out mm -hmm. just from the few sessions that we did mm -hmm. so my my question to you is and I do have one is um, what attracted you to that because I'm genuinely curious why you chose like the John Barnes myofascial release program, like what attracted you to that? A personal experience. Okay, so like, it was like me where it's... Yes, okay. yes. Um, I, uh, I was uh, starting to have some, what was becoming like a chronic SI joint issue, mm -hmm. you know, which a lot of yoga teachers have. Which, yes, and I've had that too. Um, and uh, I have a, she's retired now, but a physician friend that um, swore by it from mm -hmm. like uh, some... Um, injuries she had had and um, I'm not sure how she found it but I know that like she used it for like a devastating ankle injury and I couldn't believe how she recovered from it um, so I knew that she was uh, a very um, avid um, uh, proponent of it and um, I also knew she was a practitioner so finally, after like trying for six or seven months to like relieve it on my own with different yoga things and, you know, I had asked Paula and other people, you know, how can I, how can I self-treat this? And I would get some, you know, improvement, but then, and just it would go back. And I finally had one really bad episode. I remember I was, I was in like a, a rolly stool at work and I had my feet planted and um, I twisted to get something out of the, the, the cart that we keep like all the IV supplies in and I was like, uh, I was uh, almost doubled over in pain and you know, I'm like tearing up and like the patient and the family's there and I'm like, I'm sorry, just give me a moment, give me a moment, it, it's gonna be okay, you know? And it probably took five minutes at least before I could move, you know? Yeah. So I, I went to my friend Wendy like after that one and I was like, you know, do you think you can help with this? And she was like, yeah, I mean like she saw me that day, you know, um, her and her wife, they were, they're just, it was just such a beautiful experience to start out with because I felt like there were these two nurturing mothers over me mm -hmm. just taking care of me. Um, and for, for me, it took that one treatment, one treatment, and um, that was over three years ago. I have never had an issue since. Yep. And I don't think necessarily everybody has the, um, the, the responses that maybe you and I had because we do so much yoga yeah. and we are so open body aware, bodies, yeah. yes, are 
are open and ready to release things sometimes, you know, and just maybe needing that little bit of guidance mm-hmm. or help. Yeah. Um, but that was what hooked me. And I remember during that session, I was having these thoughts of, you're going to go learn how to do this. You're going to become a practitioner of this. And I was like, oh, okay. Because I had had those thoughts before, one of them with the yoga teacher, you know, where it's like, yeah, you're going to yeah. go take that yoga teacher training. I didn't know I was going to go take that yoga teacher training. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, so um, that's, that's how that came to be. And as you know, I was, you know, practicing it under my nursing license, and then it's just um, restrictive to do that. So that's why I went so to I, massage school. Okay, gotcha. So, well, which leads me to the next thing is, is why massage school? Really, for that reason? Yeah, yeah. I um, specifically went because I wanted to be able to do this without having to work under a physician's plan of care. Mm-hmm. Um, and like most things, like now that I've been in massage school, I you know I will definitely enjoy doing traditional massage as well. Mm-hmm. Um, my program is super intensive in like neuromuscular therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think NMT is, uh, they, I mean, the instructor actually um, teaches like myofascial release at the beginning of mm-hmm. his treatments. Like he does the, the holds, he doesn't do them. He, he holds him for at least a minute. Like in John Barnes, they hold him for at least three to five minutes. Well, I was going to say, I think that's what was so profound for me, you know, is the fact that you, because ha- I mean, keep in mind, there's layers of muscular tension and stuff that you have to get to let go. And it's, yeah. I, I equate it to Shavasana. You know, some people, it doesn't, like, if you had to give them a five-minute Shavasana, they're just starting to get there and you're pulling right. them out, yeah. you know? And so maybe some people need, and that's why I like Yoga Nidra, because people mm-hmm. that need more time and they need more depth and they need to have more layers to get there. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was what was so profound, I think, for me, was the fact that you did hold it long enough for my body to start to be like, hey, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I can it change. It patience. I, I think... I think like if I wasn't, if I didn't do yoga, I probably wouldn't have had the patience to to practice that type of thing. Yeah. Because you have to be comfortable with that awkward pause, you yeah. know, with that yep. that quiet. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people aren't aren't comfortable with that. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. Your your mind is always. I mean, my mind is always when I'm like doing a treatment, like well, what are you going to do next? Should you do this? Should you do that? And I just mm-hmm. try to sink into that intuition where it's like, no, not yet. Don't let go yet. It's not time yet. Yeah. You know? And can you feel it when it lets go? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I definitely can feel it. And um, I see stuff on people's bodies like um, John Barnes talks about they light up like a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen that where like, there, you're not working on that part of their body, and the hyperemia in a different part of their body is like, like, bright red. It's like, okay, I think that's where I'll go next. <laughs> well, and it's so interesting to me because a lot of people don't know that fascial lines are uninterrupted lines of connective tissue. Yeah. And so, like, what happens, like it, it, because I teach. Uh, I'm familiar with Merge, which is a little different from the John Barnes. It it's, was designed by a fascial therapist and a yoga teacher. 
and I kind of teach it in the YTT and it was really wild because I just had them do some demos and this one girl did this whole thing and she rolled out the foot and did all this foot work explaining that the superficial back line runs from the bottom of the foot up to your forehead yeah. so it can affect your headaches right. and I was like oh, I'm so, I geek out about that stuff so bad. And so to me, that's what, it, and you know, the brain is six times more interested in what's happening on a fascial level because it's almost like the second nervous system. Yeah. And so to me, that's where the, like, I see this as the kind of the new frontier of body work to me. Fascia is kind of where it's at. Yes. Fascia and is fascinating. <laughs> it is to me. I mean, I could geek out about this for hours because I just find it so interesting. Mm -hmm. And then you've woven it into a yin class. So you do the fascial yin. And so um, why did, just out of curiosity, why fascia, why fascial yin? Like you probably yeah. could have done any type of fascial class, but was yin a natural fit for the longer holds um, and the assists in your mind? Yes, yes. I, yes. It, it's a natural fit. Um, but also there's a, a PT who's a John Barnes um, practitioner, like in her PT practice. Um, she was uh, desperately trying to find a way that she could help her patients self-treat. Um, so she actually went to a yoga teacher training. She's mm -hmm. now doing her 500-hour training, mm -hmm. which is really cool. Um, so that she could be you know, a registered yoga teacher and blend yoga with um, the John Barnes technique. Yeah, which so, is such a natural marriage to me. Yeah. You know, because people who have been doing assists and things in yoga for a long time, and so really yeah. in some ways, that's similar to what the John, at least from my experience, and I've taken your classes, it feels to me like it's a very good marriage between the two. Her story is actually super interesting because um, John Barnes is, is pretty protective of his techniques, right. you know, and anybody... Um, you know, trying to copycat them or to say they're practicing his techniques when they're really not. Yeah. And, um, she really had to go to him and sell him on the benefit of yoga being with that because he had his own opinions and right, ideas sure. in his mind of what yep. yoga was. Correct. And so she really had to like do this hard sell with him about. No, let me show you. You know, I want to. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to say this is based yeah. on John Barnes. You know, let me show you what this can do for people. And she, she really convinced him. <laughs> wow, that's a cool story. It is. Because I. Pretty cool. Because uh, to be honest with you, I think people are would be more likely to do a myofascial release therapy session if they've experienced the the Yin fascial class. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, it's like Leanne I've talked about, it's a little bit similar to Thai massage in some ways. Um, and people just like, Thai massage is awesome, but people, Leanne's like hardly anybody wants to do it. Yeah. You know, and it's just because in their mind, they think it's just going to be one thing. And so we're just hesitant to fork over money or a lot of our time for something that we have no idea what it's going to be like. I can see that. I like. I think it would be awesome to have a Thai massage because we had somebody come to my teacher training uh -huh. um, that practiced that and give us a little mini like, yeah. session. Yeah. Well, it's like anything. If you've experienced really it, and you mm -hmm. then you're more likely to do it. Yeah. But it, but there's perceptions of it. 
I think people imagine they're going to get tied into a pretzel thing hanging from a ceiling and someone's walking <laughs> on their back. And it's like anything, perception's reality. And so if you have yeah. this, it's like yoga. You know, people have this perception of yoga as being yeah. completely inaccessible. And you have to be skinny and white, you know, you have to be skinny, white, Lululemon pants and clothes and you have to be like a professional gymnast and all this stuff and or you have to be all zen yeah I know, and i tell yeah, people all the time <laughs> i don't do yoga because i'm super zen i do it because i'm not mm-hmm. you know i mean i think i mean it's just interesting to me how sometimes overcoming the perception is a, a big part of what we do here so who inspires you who inspires me I think it's more what inspires Okay, then you. what inspires you? Um, nature inspires me. Um, I get that. I, I guess like, like that higher spirit inspires me. Like always kind of pushing me, mm-hmm. you know? To be your highest and best. Yeah, or you're going to go do this, or you're going to go do that. Mm-hmm. I actually said after massage school, I'm like, okay, I'm done. And then <laughs> I don't want to do anything else, but I'm <laughs> sure there'll be other things. Um, sure. I mean, you're going to recover from it. and you're... I think places inspire me. Like, this place inspires me to be, like, the best that I can be. And Aww, to, that's To be sweet. a good teacher and to, like, you know, provide good services mm-hmm. and, you know... I guess it's a shame I don't have a person that's <laughs> No, I think that's actually, look, I, nature, the, your answer of nature doesn't surprise me because you're yeah. very outdoorsy. I could, that probably is, fills you up. You probably get filled up yeah. from nature. Absolutely. Um, so that is, I mean, that's obvious that that inspires you. And in terms of, you know, like I, it's interesting to me because we've had so many people that have come to the studio um, that are new to yoga and they've kind of fallen in love with it, you know, and that to me is magic when you see someone who from the first time you see them walk in and then you fast forward like, you know, four yeah. years and they walk differently. They, they're so different and yeah. I don't know if they see what we see, but that is just, so they inspire me, you know, mm-hmm. cause, cause the one of the, you know, COVID and all the things it's difficult to own a studio and to keep but it's like I keep thinking of all those people who have come in and through the studio who like have kind of fallen in love with yoga through all of our amazing instructors and and so that so they inspire me too Mm -hmm. you know because it's like I had this woman in my class recently who almost went into tears she was like you know I've just come out of a bad situation um, and, and I and I was looking for something and I just happened to come in here and she was like, I love all of your teachers. I love so much the vibe. I feel so at home. And it like, it, she almost made me emotional Aww. because I mean, you, you don't often hear that from people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, it's, it's rare that someone really kind of says, and so it was really, and so I think I, uh, shared it. We did. I remember we did our kitchen crawl recently, where we went, and yeah. we were all a little emotional about it. Just thinking, sometimes you don't realize the impact you have, cause right. we're stuck in the perfection syndrome and all the stuff. Right. But it was really sweet of her to say that, and it really resonated with me. Um, and so when I'm having kind of bad days, I go back to that. Think about that, I yeah. do. But 
for that one person that expressed that, mm -hmm. there's a dozen people that have had that same experience sure. and yet haven't expressed it. Mm -hmm. So yes, you're absolutely right about the pebble and that you have, I mean, I have people like, I the weirdest things that will come and tell me like you, when I was leaving Cincinnati, I had this attending physician um, who had started as a resident and then she was a fellow and then she became attending and attending all there at the same hospital. And when she found out I was leaving, I remember her coming up and being like, gosh, you know, I'll never forget, you know, when you were so nice to me and I don't, I don't even know what she was talking about. She was probably like, it was her first time she put in an A-line or something mm -hmm. and I was just, you know, being nice and supportive or, you know, whatever. And what she remembered that yeah and you know I could I was like trying to remember the experience that she was like was like well you know I had no idea what she was talking about yeah you know well it makes me think of that Maya Angelou quote where she says people will remember not what you did or the so they'll remember how you made them feel yes you yes know? yes and I think that's really true you know, and I try to remind myself of that when I get, again, stuck in the, oh, maybe that wasn't my best class, but how did I make them feel? You know, and I think that I try to tell my teacher trainees that it's like at the end of the day, they'll remember how you made them feel over the perfect flow sequence right. or any Absolutely. of the other stuff, you know? Yeah. I think that's a good reminder for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a great thing to, to tell the students. You know, because you do get so caught up in that. Oh, you do. It's but it's the experience. It's the experience of the yoga class. And yeah. like you said, what, how your healing energy that you're bringing to them more mm -hmm. so than, you know, the perfect, you know, cues for the perfect pose. Right. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's so easy to get bogged down in that and think, you know, that that's your job. When re I guarantee you. Like if you forget warrior one on one side and you wake up at two o'clock in the morning, you're like, damn it, <laughs> nobody loved, else does. No, no. And I loved my yoga teachers that I had in Cincinnati, but yeah. I would have some that I'd be like reminding them, um, we didn't do that on this side. And they're like, oh yeah, we didn't, you know, and then we'd do it. But I didn't care, you know, because yeah. it was the experience that I was getting and how wonderful I'd feel when I'd walk yeah. out and how I'd look at the sky and the sky would look differently, yeah. you know, the vibrancy, you know, when I walked out from the yoga class than mm -hmm. when I walked in. So yeah. You know, yeah. Well, it's like Brian Kess said when I went to his power yoga class, he was talking about this. He goes, don't, don't bring your OCD craziness in here. He's like, do you brush your teeth with your left hand? Do you eat with your left hand? You can balance yourself out all day long. Don't be all up my ass. Cause I, you know what I mean? It was really <laughs> funny. He was basically saying like, why is it only in yoga? You've got to have it perfect on both sides because you never do it outside of yoga. <laughs> And I was like, God, that's an excellent point. Yeah. You know what I mean? I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. So it's just, it's a perspective thing, I guess, more than anything. Mm -hmm. But I thought that was kind of a clever way of, of you know, mentioning that. So name one thing on your bucket list. Oh, I really want to kayak the Grand Canyon. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. That's a yeah. good one. I don't think that I'll probably actually get there because a few years ago I was paddling hard enough that I was probably... I might have walked some of the bigger rapids, but I was good enough to probably do that. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I've I've always wanted to have that experience of just going in the canyon for 21. Not always, since I was a kayaker. Yeah. Of going into the canyon for 21 days and whatever happens in there, then you're coming out. You know. Yeah. That's definitely been on 
my bucket list. <laughs> yeah, I loved the Grand Canyon. Funny enough, we went with my kids a couple. Oh wow! Did you guys go and like raft it? No, we didn't. We just went and observed it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And but I will tell you, my son slept through the entire thing. <laughs> that's what being having a teenager that's a sprinter <laughs> swimmer. Literally, we're like waking him up. Get up, go look at the Grand Canyon. He's like half out of it. I'm like, oh my god, why do we bother? Yeah. So yes, but I've seen there was some. I saw some documentary about people doing rafting. It wasn't kayaking, yeah. and it looked gorgeous. Like the water yes, is. Yes, and the colors. Well, the water I think is just brown and ugly most of the time. But the well, colors on the canyon walls. Right. You right. probably saw water like um, like up one of like the the little canyons, like with tributaries. Uh -huh. The actual like you know Colorado River is mm -hmm. not very pretty. Mm -hmm. But like up, you know, like up one of the canyons, like that's where you get that emerald green. So yeah, it was pretty. So maybe I did yeah. see that. But you know, it's the Grand Canyon. I mean, <laughs> even if it's brown, I'm still, it's, I'm sure it's still pretty awesome. So what's your embarrassing yoga class memory or funniest, funniest or most embarrassing, taking funniest or teaching? Or most embarrassing. Um... I can't think of a specific interest in, or in, instance, but I I used to be the person that was always Spartan in inversions. Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> um, like, where I would take, like, we always did lots of shoulder stands or head stands, hand stands, forearm stands, all of them, you know. And I, especially shoulder stand, for some reason, I would come down from it and... <laughs> It wasn't even like a normal sounding fart, you know, it just, it was just like this odd sound and I'm like, oh God, you know. I know, the joys of yoga, all the weird, in fact, we laugh because Kayla and I have this Lululemon mat that makes a farting noise, like when you move your feet on it and every class people, and it's like, it, and we like, it's the mat and you know, they're I, like, I swear I know, so you have to laugh at that, but really... I mean, in my early, like, yoga class, I remember just being like, oh, and then now, oh, my God, it's like, it, I don't even notice it anymore. It doesn't even phase me, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's like early on, you're like, so hard, and then you, later, you're just like, you know, I don't know how much of that's given birth and having babies or being <laughs> in yoga class, but it takes a lot to phase me now in a yoga class, for sure. So what's your superpower? If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, if I could have any superpower, mm -hmm. what yep. would my superpower be? Yep. I would like the gift of being able to heal. Oh, okay. Wow, that's a cool one. <laughs> uh, that's, I've never heard that one before. Yep, that's a good one. Um, so what's your, um, do you have a recurring dream you've had your whole life? You know, not my whole life, but it's kind of fun because through certain periods of my life, mm -hmm. I will have the same dreams. Um, Honestly, since I've moved here, I don't have any recurring dreams, so maybe I fulfilled them. But I would like have, um, I can remember like being um, in my 30s, like young 30s, and I always had this dream of like a house, like not like an old house like this, but a house like this big, and how there were, there were rooms that I didn't realize were in that house. You know, even though I'd lived there forever, mm -hmm. you know, I would like walk through the, the house and I'd be like, 
oh, well, off the bedroom, there's this whole other room, you know, or this whole other thing. So I had that dream a lot for a long time. Um, I, I also have like, I have like all kinds of, um, I have a series of like really vivid dreams that I had at the same campsite and they were odd dreams, like, um, like scary dreams, intense. Like one of them was I was in the tent and um, somebody unzipped the tent really quick and they grabbed me by the arm and they were pulling me out. And you know how like you, I don't know if you've ever had that sensation of being so scared that you can't scream or yeah. talk. Yeah. And I was like being pulled away and I, I was trying to scream out to my husband that somebody was pulling me out of the tent and it wouldn't come out. And that probably went on for like 12 or 15 seconds before I woke up, you know, and I was like, we need to move a little bit further away from that, that tour of that tent. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, and I had a dream at that campsite too of like, like standing and I was looking over like a river canyon and it was like floodlighted even though it was dark and you know I was looking and you know and and like this bony arm reached up and grabbed my wrist and it was pulling me it was like trying to pull me over that's the that. stuff of like horror movies <laughs> <laughs> and I loved that campsite. I mean, it's the most beautiful. That's so interesting. Spot. Did you ever research if something happened there? Um, that's what somebody said to me. They're like, uh, maybe like somebody got killed around there, and they're trying to get you to solve their murder. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, because I do find it interesting. It's in a it's tied to a specific spot. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I've had crazy dreams my whole life. Crazy, wild dreams. Mm -hmm. I used to have dreams like your big house dreams mm -hmm. and like someone was chasing me but I could always find like a secret hidden passageway to get out mm -hmm. do you know what I'm saying they were super creative mm -hmm. so I wonder like I try analyzing that I wonder if that was like I always had to have some kind of way out like it was a nervous system thing where you know what I mean I always had to have something in my back pocket but I mean literally and it was so inventive of how I would get out of there <laughs> you know what I mean it was like yeah. I always it would seem like I was trapped but then all of a sudden like the bookcase would move or <laughs> hidden passageway or it, those that was my big recurring dream and then one of the more bizarre dreams I had and I might have talked about this before is I had mushrooms growing out of my leg and I would shave them and they would grow back. <laughs> no idea what that meant. Maybe I was like feeling my unshaven legs on the sheets. And I, I don't know. But isn't that funny? That was yes. so bizarre. Yes. Because yes. I remember just. Interesting. Yeah, I know. My, my brother-in-law used to have this book where you could analyze your dreams. And there were some common dreams in there. Like your teeth falling out, falling drown, you know, and yeah, they kind of yeah. analyze those. But they had some actually pretty creative ones in there. I wonder if he still has that book, but I found it really interesting. Like the, obviously it's a little bit open for interpretation, but I found some of the explanations and things really pretty interesting. Yeah. So I, it's too bad. We'll have to find some. I, that I would be interested in that book. Yeah. <laughs> I will actually ask him. Because, I mean, I think I tried to find that book, and I think it was out of print. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if he still got it. If he comes up here next time, I'll have him bring it. Um, so, what's your favorite holiday? My favorite holiday um, is probably Thanksgiving, but I, for my entire nursing career, never celebrated it on Thanksgiving. 
Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and not like in like, uh, as I've become more aware and more sensitive, I, I realize the, the, the downsides of the story of Thanksgiving. Correct. You know? But um, I just enjoy the, the cooking of a large meal. Yeah, the family, the family time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just, I, I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. favorite holiday. Yeah, mine's always been Halloween. A lot of people love Halloween. I do. I always loved the... You should have been out there tonight. <laughs> I know. With, I loved the scary movies. I loved the costume. The I loved it all. Mm-hmm. The pumpkins, you know. I don't know what it is, but Halloween's probably up there for me, for sure. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny? We just like what we like. Yeah. You know, so every year our kids, like, I mean, their Halloween costumes were so elaborate. Wow. I mean, we just had so <laughs> much fun. Oh, I was. We were. I mean, just, and we would dress up too. Mm-hmm. So, and my husband would do these crazy pumpkins and, um, yes, indeed. So it was a big deal at our house, which is just kind of funny because our kids, you know, every year it's just such a thing, you know, like I need to know what they're doing. Um, so if you could travel anywhere, where would you go? Um, I mean, the expense, like really, if the sky was the limit, where would you go? I would like to do, if the, if there was no like limit, I would like to do like a tour of Europe for just like the history there and um, then I would like to do like Asia. I would like to go to, oh, I definitely would like to go to Nepal and obviously India to study some yoga, but Nepal and China and places like East. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's such a different cultural experience. That would be very, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah the two of them are like opposite, but like I've never been to Europe, you know, mm-hmm. but definitely I would want to go to Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you could practice yoga with anyone living or dead, who would it be? Um, let me think. I think that's I, a tough question. It is a tough question. Like, I would have at one time said Iyengar, but I actually knew somebody who studied with Iyengar, and he said he was, like, mean, like, awful, like, mm-hmm. horrible. Yeah, no, <laughs> um, I've heard so that before. I would think probably Patavi Joyce, mm-hmm. because of all the lineages that came out of him. Yeah, for me, it's Krishnamacharya or Desikachar. Mm-hmm. I think those would be my picks. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, that's just off the cuff. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if I really thought about it and really looked into it, I might have a different answer, but those are the two that just kind of popped in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I get what you're saying. Like, the lineage, everything being passed down. I mean, to me, I'd want to go almost, like, as far back to the source as I could. Yes. Just yes. almost to see how much it had changed. Yes. You know? Because, I mean, the yoga that we do over here is so different from the yoga that they do over there. Right. In so many different ways. So I think it would be cool to kind of experience something so far back down the line as a comparison or just as an experience compared to what we do now. Mm -hmm. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. All right, so last question I have for you is, all right, so you're stranded on a deserted island. You can have three things, but it cannot be a person. All right, so what three things would you have on the island and it cannot be another person, so you can't name another person? Three things. 
<laughs> well, uh, I'd like to have an endless supply of food and water. <laughs> <laughs> That's two things. <laughs> okay, because I think that might be important. It might be important. <laughs> um, and then a boat. <laughs> <laughs> You're very how practical. How do I get off of that? Yeah, how do I, I get off? I like it there, and I, well, I want to survive, too, so I need yeah. food and water. Yeah, oh my God, that was such a great practical answer. <laughs> my escape hatch. It's kind of boring, but... No, but actually, it's funny. Of course, I didn't even go there, but now that I'm listening to your answers, I'm like, God, hers are better. Because why would I want to... Because, of course, I'm thinking, like, endless supply of books... Peanut butter, <laughs> chocolate, never, I mean, apparently never even dawning on me that I could just get off the island. <laughs> I'd be back on the island while Tara's goaded back to civilization. That's kind of a scary thought right there. Well, thanks for joining me well, thanks for on my me. podcast, Namaste Real. I'm Jay, um, and this is Tara. We had a fun little chat tonight. So hopefully you enjoyed our podcast, and don't forget, Tara is, um, she teaches on Thursday nights. Um, the fascial yin class at 7 p.m. And then she's also finishing up massage school. When are you done officially? Uh, the end of January. End of January. So the, there's Soon. light at the end of the tunnel. So yeah, don't. she'll be, um, she's still offering myofascial reliefs, relief. It is relief. <laughs> it's not actually not a bad way to say that. Release. So if you've ever been curious about a myofascial release session, you should do it. Hers are awesome. And then she'll be done with massage. So all kinds yeah. of exciting things. And I can do it easy without physicians. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, thanks for joining us. We'll see Thank you guys you. next time. Bye. Bye.